Thanks for joining us. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Elizabeth Reese today. Good morning. It is so nice to be here with you talking food all morning. I know. It's kind of a lovely, it's a lovely thing, I think. It's just how I want to start the weekend. I think I'm picturing if I was you guys, I'd be there with my coffee cup. I'd be there flipping through my Bon Appetits and I would be hanging out, planning my weekend meals. That's how I would do it. a grocery list. I know. I know. Last week we had Stephanie Meyer and Zoe Francois here. And I swear to God, you guys, I loved all all of you who sent me the pictures of your Bolognese sauces because I literally went home on Sunday. I went on Sunday and I made Bolognese because we were talking about it. This is great. This is my favorite form of food community where we all kind of inspire each other. We give each other tips and tricks and 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 then we all go out and we do things. You know, that's the most fun I think about even my Instagram feed is whenever I post something of, you know, something that I've made, people always comment on like, oh, I make that and I use this or I do that. Yeah. or Oh, that looks so good. Or you inspired me to make that or yeah. I'll get it later and say I made this and it was so fantastic. You're totally right. It's always more about food and you can laugh at people who only post pictures of their food, which is me. Um, I only post, post pictures of my food. We would never laugh at you. My children <laughs> and my chickens. Um, but that's what I want to see. I if know. you're not posting enough pictures of your food, then I unfollow you. <laughs> then I'm sort of, I walk away. I really just want to know what you're eating more than I want to know what you're wearing. I, I, that's how I feel that. Absolutely. I don't have any fat. I have like one actual fashion person in my feed, I think by accident. So I don't know how that's going to go, but guess what you guys, it's time for top two and hour two. Give him the old one, two. One, two, one, two. And now the weekly dish presents top two, top two, the top two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two. All right, this is the time of the show where we talk about two things that we are completely either obsessed about or thinking about, want to share. This week it can be anything, and uh, you're going to start. What's your first one? I'm going to start with mushroom coffee, Steph. What? (laughs) (laughs) Mushroom coffee. Is this like mushroom juice, which is kombucha? I know it sounds weird, um, but mushroom coffee is a thing, and it's something that my mom started drinking, and then I've been into too. So uh, if you find that sometimes a cup of pure coffee is like a little bit of a jolt to the system in the morning... I frankly am really starting to love coffee in the afternoon more or like decaf in the evening than just like waking up and just kapow with straight coffee. Yeah. But I still love that ritual of like drinking something really warm, warm. in the morning. And that is this mushroom coffee. Okay. So we linked it up on the weekly dish show page. Yeah. The one that I've been buying is this one by this company called Four Sigmatic. Okay. Okay. And their whole thing is about getting mushrooms into people's diets. So their whole, um, the whole basis of this comes from thousands of years of incorporating mushrooms into people's diets in China, in Finland. Thousands of studies, they say, have been conducted talking about the incredible properties of mushrooms when it comes to boosting your immune system and just being overall really fantastic for you. And we're talking beyond like portabellas. There are lots of special mushrooms. They use cordyceps, chaga, lion's mane, and reishi, different types of mushrooms that are super complex and have all sorts of amazing properties. Mushrooms are like incredible fungi, they right? They are. They I mean, really are. They really are super fascinating. They're they're such cool just things that we can eat and that we can can be used for something so good and then also some can be so bad, right? I think mushrooms are incredible. They are 
So Terrifying this, and wonderful. You totally <laughs> like every great thing in life, right? right? It's like love. There is mushroom hot cocoa on yes. their site. Okay, so you buy these packets of the mushroom coffee mix is what I've been buying. And it so it has instant coffee that is infused with the mushrooms. I posted this on my Instagram story today so you can see like the kind of creation that I've been making with it. I yeah. put into my blender, I put one packet of the mushroom coffee. I put a little sprinkle of cinnamon, a sprinkle of cocoa powder, a little sprinkle of coconut sugar. I do a splash of, you could do heavy cream or I, I like those nut pods. Oh yeah. It's like an almond and coconut blend. I put a little splash of that in there, seven ounces of boiling water, and then just rev it on your blender on a super low speed just to get it all combined. It's like this frothy, yummy latte that kind of wakes you up without like the bam of pure straight drip coffee. Now, there's a time and a place for everything. It's just like a fun thing. This also might be something that you would like to have like in the afternoon. I was going to say this might be something for me, which is like just a little pick me up. For sure. Like two two o'clock pick me up. Wait, so is there caffeine in this? So there's caffeine in some of them and then not in all of them. But um, yes, the mushroom coffee one that I drink has the mushroom powder infused into the instant coffee powder. Um, And if you're a coffee snob and you think instant coffee sounds gross, still just try it. It's still try it. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. And they also, they mix these mushrooms into a cocoa mix. They do a matcha drink mix. I, this cocoa thing is interesting to me because that's, I look for hot cocoa because sometimes at the end in winter, deep, deep cocoa winter, at night. that's my dessert. I, that's what you I know do. What I, mean? I make so, cocoa like almost every night. I haven't tried their cocoa mix, but my mom has, and she really, really loves it. Okay. So just a thought. It's good. That's one thing that I'm obsessing over lately. What I are you loving? I love it. Well, I was going to talk about, uh, <laughs> I was going to talk about the churros at uh, Martina. It's all balance and I want the churros. Oh, God, I the always churros. want churros. I, have I talked about these before? I can't remember, but I'm going to talk about them right now because basically, and I think that this is something that if you had a feeling like you could want to make, you could do these at home. We made churros in my seventh grade Spanish class. My teacher, Mrs. Kircher, she had at the end of our, um, like one of our classes, she brought in everything and we made churros and ate them. And I, it was my first experience and I absolutely went crazy for them. Well, and these are potato churros. Mm. And so these are mashed potato, like mashed potatoes, but it's a puree potato. Wow. And then they pipe it into a churro form and fry it. It's like, like a gnocchi churro. Yes. And I think you could do this. I think it's just a beautifully pureed potato. And then you put it into like a pastry bag and then you would just like slightly squeeze it into really, really hot oil. Yeah, and, and then you just snip beautiful. the end. It's very easy, I'm sure. And then roll it in cinnamon and sugar. Well, the potato is for, this is, they, we're dipping it in Bernays. Oh, Hello. wow. This is like a savory, a this is like a French churro. fry. This is like a French fry situation you're having. If you don't get the potatoes when you, the churro, potato churros, it's a side dish. At Martina, you can get them at brunch. So... I think it's your sister's going, Susie? Or no. Yeah, my mom. Your my mom. mom wants to go tomorrow. Okay. So she needs to make sure that she gets us order of the potato churros Ooh. because it's a it's a different way to see French fries or tater tots or anything else. Like it is a completely, but it's got that super sharp, crisp outside and beautifully salty. And then the inside is this soft and lush potato puree. I want this. Yes. That's fantastic. You At Martina. At Martina. So then if you're, so if you finally are getting your reservations in and you're going and you could try for Easter brunch there, mm-hmm. then whatever you do, get the churros because people who are popped in, who we were talking to and they, uh, they said, yeah, this is my second time here. I'm coming back because I missed out on the churros last time. Cause no one told me before they told <laughs> me after. So here's me telling you before. Also <laughs> just let you know, Marco Zappia, the guy behind the bar, who's yep. marvelous, he is making his own Campari. So I would say, hey, 
order a Negroni. Yeah, do it. Because it's magical there. He gave us a couple sips and it was just so lovely. Okay, that's fantastic. I, know. I love them. Okay, okay, what's your second one? Okay, second thing is uh, the brioche made by the good people at Bakersfield. Amen. Now, brioche, I don't know why all the bread I'm eating isn't brioche. I should only be eating brioche. I want to go on a brioche only diet. It has eggs and like butter in yeah. the batter. I mean, yeah. in the bread dough. It's just the best thing. And Bakersfield is doing it so well. So you guys know them. They're in Northeast Minneapolis. They're in the food building. They um, are milling bread in the actual space. They're milling the flour in the space. They get the big vats of the grains and then they have this stone grinder that's so cool. And they put the grains through and they're using lots of local, different, interesting wheat and it's naturally leavened. So it's all fermented and fantastic for you. It's like a gut health bomb. It's yes. so good. So good. And it's just delicious. All their breads are really, really delicious. But I will tell you that the brioche is over the top good. And Oof. I accidentally stumbled upon a loaf I put it in an egg bake. I posted the recipe for that on my Instagram page that I made. I have just been making it with butter and jam. I've been using it in sandwiches. Yes. It's just phenomenal brioche bread. And sometimes you can feel like brioche is a little bit like sweet and indulgent. Yeah, I don't. This is like a savory, yeah. tangy brioche. Yes. And I don't love, I mean, I there's a place for sweet brioche for sure. But like for me, no, I right. don't want it. I Not just for want, breakfast. Yeah. Well, I mean, and for sandwiches, I don't want that sugary sweetness to it. It is so good. So good. Get the brioche. I actually. Where did um, you pick yours up? So I got it at the, is it the meat shop? What's right by Patagonia um, in St. Paul on Grand? St. Paul. St. Paul meat shop. St. Paul meat shop. Yep. So I happened to pop in there one day and they had a loaf there and I bought it. And then I sent Bakersfield a note and they they have it at the co-ops is where you can get the That's brioche. That's what I was going to so say. So like Seward Co-op, I think the Wedge has it. Um, I believe Lake Winds carries it. So you can get, the co-ops has have the Kowalski's. brioche. Kowalski's. Great. Listen, Kowalski's, the uh, one I just clicked into their store locator, where can you find their bread? Yes. Kowalski's is just a massive thing. Lake Winds, uh, Linden Hills Co-op, Lowry Hill Meats, Seward Co-ops, St. Paul Meat Shop, Certix. I would just recommend if you're going specifically to the store for the brioche, yeah. maybe call them ahead of time. I because would do that too. The, I know that Bakersfield, like they drop off breads on certain days at certain places and then you kind of never know what they have. So you might want to check out, check what their drop off day is. Yeah. And then if they have the brioche, I also like that it is a pan brioche. So it's, you can slice it into sandwich slices easily versus some of the other breads that come in like, you know, they're these beautiful round loaves. Yeah, it's But hard. it's sometimes tricky with sandwiches to get like a uniform size. You end up with like a tiny sandwich one day and then the next day, a massive one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> or worse, like I cut in the middle and Jake gets the best part. Like he gets the big sandwich and I'm like, and then I have like, I get the small Stupid ones. small sandwich. Come on. I know, garbage. Okay, you got one more? Okay, I got one more and I'm just going to let you know it's the Sweet Chow Takeaway, which is just open in... Um, North Loop. What is this? So it, this is a new place. It was it was in the place of it last was called the Hennepin Steam Room, which it was for five minutes. But before that, it was the Tangiers Nightclub. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I went. Yeah, Did you go back there? in my party days? What? 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 Mm -hmm. So they've turned it into it was turned into a restaurant, and now and that didn't work. So now it is this little cute place called Sweet Chow Takeaway and it is counter service. You walk up, you order and then you can go find a table and they've got a little bar situation and they've got plenty of seatings or you can take it home and they eventually will start delivering. 
They're going to do yes. bike delivery. And for the North Loopians, all these kids who are buying these condos and everything else, I think this is a smart, smart move. Boy. So I ran in there. I popped in there the other day on my way home to something or way home from something. And I got a fried chicken sandwich, a double fried chicken, Korean fried chicken sandwich on a baguette. Yes. And I got some uh, fried rice. The fried rice was spectacular. It was really? just the right kind of spicy, a ton of egg, great fresh veggies on top, and mushrooms. Like, a lot of good mushrooms. Mushrooms is a theme today. It is! That's why I was laughing at your coffee thing, because I was like, I'm totally in the shroom thing right now with you. <laughs> so I just want to let you know that they just opened, and they're just kind of starting to get their feet underneath them. But also, they're open for lunch, and in the North Loop, like, there's not, you know, it's a great option. There was not that many people there, and I thought, what a great thing to go sit with your laptop, get some Fried rice and tap away. Or go with two people, have one sit in the car so you don't have to park, run in and get the takeaway. This is probably the only, this is their main issue that they're going to have, yeah. I think. They need to figure that out. Which but, is the story of the North Loop. Boy, this menu looks outstanding. It is, Sweet chow yeah, takeaway. Takeaway. And I'll put a link up to it because I'm excited about it. So we'll, uh, we're going to have a little fun with it. All right, you guys, that was our top two and hour two. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about planning for spring because uh, Reese has a garden. I am, for the first time, having a garden. We're going to talk chickens. We're going to talk having a quarter cow and a half hog and what that means for your grocery budget. <laughs> we'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. We're brought to you by Red Cow and Red Rabbit. Everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish, and I'm Stephanie March, and I'm here with Elizabeth Reese, who is from Twin Cities Live and all sorts of fun things. Oh, yes. It's fun to be here. Hi, you guys. It's so... It's kind of the day where you can smell the pavement, mm-hmm. and you kind of start thinking, wait a minute, are those buds on trees? Isn't are we, that- we going to get... And of course, we have the fall soap, because it is the first week of spring of March, which means... Yeah. Meteorolog- meteorologically speaking, did I get that right? Yeah. It is spring. That being said, I mean, Minnesota never follows that kind of stuff. No. But it does, it's that time when, like, the days are getting longer. You can feel the heat of the sun on your face actually warms your face the instead of just biting your face. is running. Yeah. People are tapping the trees, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Yep. Um, so it is time to kind of get into that planning mode. And planning what you're going to grow and what you're going to eat is, like, the greatest joy. I know. And, and a great privilege. So you are a gardener. You are someone who has gardened. And you are sort of are, I mean, I might even call you, like, an urban farmer. Oh. Because not only do you garden, you raise livestock, which are chickens. (laughs) I do have chickens in my backyard, yes. And urban is right. We live in Minneapolis. And we have chickens in the backyard. We have have a very small lot, guys. It's 0.13 of an acre. I mean, we're not rocking a big piece of land. Right. But we have uh, three giant raised beds, four feet by like 14 feet, in um, my back fenced-in garden. And I try to get stuff going every year. I'm a chronic over planter and I'm just proud of it. I think that that is so marvelous. So, and I was trying, I was during the break, we were talking because I have moved into a house that has a fenced in garden in the back and I am excited, excited, excited. And I've decided I'm going to throw a little party and have all my garden knowledgeable humans over. And we're going to just have a planning party and share knowledge and talk about things and drink rosé and maybe eat some, you know, fun things in maybe April, we're saying. So because you, you're thinking about your garden now because yep. the weather forces you to be like hopeful. But what is the right timing for you? So now is definitely the time to start thinking about it. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to start seeds yourself. So yeah. if you're going to like do a lamp in your basement and, you know, start these seeds in little seed pod deals or some people make them out of newspaper, you can do all sorts of stuff. Um, you some seeds you want to get started by the end of March. 
Um, some things even like you can do into April. It just kind of depends on the actual uh, plant because some things need longer to grow inside before you are going to plant them outside. Yeah. And then, of course, when you plant outside varies a little bit in Minnesota. I mean, I remember planting one year on April 1st because it got Do so you warm. Really? It, it was April Fool's Day. And I thought this is insane. But this is what I'm doing. That was probably, oh my gosh, maybe like six years ago. I remember because that was the year that ice out, which is normally the ice is gone on the lakes by April 15th. That year it was March like 12th. See, I know. I remember that year. But typically, I mean, people will say, you know, they plant around Mother's Day. You want to plant. It depends a little bit. If you have raised beds, you can get away with planting usually a little bit earlier because, Mm -hmm. you know, your soil is raised up a little bit. Um, I'm a big fan of raised beds because I think it just... Makes for me, it like makes weeding much easier. It keeps things contained and it can make your garden look I think I have raised beds in my new garden. Yeah, it's really easy to do. I mean, my husband built raised beds for me in like, I mean, it's two seconds, not two seconds, but it's not very (laughs) much work. You just have to haul in soil and and all of that. So um, now is the time to definitely definitely get planning. And for me, when I think about what I want to plant in my garden, I always think about, okay, what are the things that I want to eat? Number one, sometimes we kind of miss that. Um, And then also I like to plant some very, some things that are like, that take a long time to grow because um, squash for me is super rewarding. It's really hands off. You don't have to do anything. It's fun to watch it vine. It's fun to see the, the flowers and then it's fun to have it grow and then cut it at the end of the season. And squash, frankly, can be more expensive because they're heavier. So if you're buying them by the way, yeah, I mean, you know, produce in general, isn't that expensive, but you're able to have organic squash that you don't have to buy. Um, I love delicata squash is my favorite to grow because you can eat the seed or you can eat the skin. You don't even have to peel it and they're small. Yes, you can eat all the seeds. You can toast them up and eat them. Um, Butternut is really fun. Um, I've grown spaghetti squash, acorn squash, a variety of squash is great. That is tomatoes. And they last. I mean, like, that's the other thing. You can like you harvest them and then you have them in the winter. The last couple of years I've grown sweet potatoes. I had no idea that you could even grow sweet potatoes in Minnesota, but you absolutely can. can. You You can buy the little sweet potato vines. They're different from the decorative vines. You buy them, you know, at your garden store and um, you plant them and then they go all over. They take a lot of space. So if you have a ton of space that you just want covered up, then they, um, you will end up digging out the sweet potatoes at the end of the year. And it is very, very fun. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Really fun to just dig them up out of the ground. Um, tomatoes. I like to only grow heirloom tomatoes. I like to grow ones that you can't really find at the grocery store. I agree. Um, rareseeds.com is a really good resource if you want to grow from seeds, but otherwise a lot of garden stores, like I shop at mother earth gardens in Minneapolis, you know, some of those smaller garden stores, they do a great job of bringing in cool heirloom tomatoes that don't travel well, that maybe are a little bit more unique and fun to find. My daughter, who is three, since she was 18 months, has been plucking tomatoes off of the plant. She stands out there in the garden with me and wolfs them down. She does not eat tomatoes out of a package. No. I mean, that's like, yeah. to her, that is what a that tomato is. That is the thing. Yeah. I, just, I have very good memories. And even in the container pots that we used to grow, the yellow teardrop ones. Yes. And the little, you know, toddler Jake running over and just plopping, you know, and just sitting and just there. Eating and just eating them. Like, plop, plop, plop. It's really fun. Um, beans are really fun. Pole beans, beans are fun to grow. I've never grown beans. Always think about things that you can grow up. That yes. makes it easier if you have any sort of space situation. Lemon cucumber. 
cucumbers is for something sure. I've grown for a couple of years. Those that are I've loved. great. Yeah. And like pole beans are really fun for kids. Um, you can get purple pole beans. What's fun about those is that they turn green when you cook them. Oh. So you can let them grow up and then you can pick them. And then I usually just kind of rough chop them, throw them in a pan with garlic, butter and olive oil. And you'll watch them turn from purple to green. Yeah. And then you can serve them to kids and they think that's super fun. Yeah. I really like this. Really fun. I love that. You know, a whole patch of herbs is always great and just get aggressive about things that you're using them in. I mean, just throw herbs in everything. Like make an egg salad and put some of every herb you have in there. I them. agree with you. I agree with you. I don't understand. Like there there, there doesn't need to be a recipe for your herbs. Mm-mm. They can go wherever you want them to go. Mm-hmm. And you don't, if it doesn't call for it, just add them anyway. Yeah. And you'll eat it and you'll be so happy. So this is a good garden planning time. So you can start mapping out. Yeah. Do you have any, is there any, any online like mapping tools or as long as you know your space, do you feel like you need to have it enclosed? I mean, is that something that you... If you're out in the boondocks, you definitely do. I yeah, mean, we have me, rabbits, so we have it enclosed, have and I have rabbits. a dog, and I have my chickens I like to keep out of the garden, because otherwise they would just eat everything. Yeah. Um. So we have ours fenced in. You certainly don't have to, but I mean, you are going to be running the risk of rabbits and things like that. I absolutely cannot not have it fenced in. You have to have it. I have, and we, mine is a built-in fenced in. I, I'll show you a picture on the on the other side of it. But it's, you know, it's got a very tall thing, because I have, I mean, the herds of deer just all winter long as I've watched them walk through my from the marsh through my yard. And that's, I, I love them. I want them around. Yeah. I don't want to not have them there either because yeah, that's part of life. Everything. But they will not touch my garden. <laughs> so that is a thing. Northern Gardener Magazine is put out by the Minnesota State Horticultural Society. Okay. They do a great job of putting together. Now, I really, I focus a lot on vegetables and things like that, but they're, you know, they... Their knowledge of gardening spans everything. And what's helpful about them is that they are very specific to Minnesota. That's which what is I, great right, because I, I want to know what, you know, with our timeline, it's different. It's shorter than everybody else's. Right, it is. A couple of little things like cucumbers, I've learned sort of through my trial and error. My cucumbers don't transplant very well. When I buy the cucumber plants and plant them in the ground, I have like a 50-50 success rate. Last year, I did cucumber seeds directly into my um, raised beds. Amazing success. Interesting. Better success. And then I was reading that they're not necessarily that great at transplanting. So, Okay, this is good news. But just don't get... It's one of those things where it's like, it's not an immediate... It's it's no instant gratification with gardening. And no. that's a beautiful thing. There are a few things left in life where you wait for each season, where the trial and error takes some time. And I think you don't have to be good at it. I mess things up every year. Yeah. And I always think like, you know, you have a finite number of seasons in your life. Make the most of them Make and the have fun with it. Seriously. And be grateful that you don't have to rely on it to survive. <laughs> I know. I know. I think about that too. Yeah. All right, you guys, we're going to uh, take a quick break. We come back. We are going to still talk about the beef and the, or the, the side of hog because we're going to come back and talk about that. Because Deep I freezers. Think, yes. I think this is an interesting thing about a quarter cow. We will be right back. This is the weekly dish. We're brought to you by Red Cow and Red Rabbit. Everybody, thanks for joining us. This is the Weekly Dish. Uh, if you've missed any part of our sparkling content today with Elizabeth Reese, uh, you definitely want to dial up the podcast, which is on mytalk1071.com or, of course, the app. So it's all fun. And there it is. You can listen to us whenever you feel like it. It's a really good thing. Gain all the intel. All right. Let's talk about this quarter cow situation. Oh, yes. I'm a big believer in a deep freezer in the basement, my friends. straight. Yeah. So this year I did a quarter cow and a half a hog. And um, so that ended up being a total of like 175 pounds of meat, I believe. 
That's a lot of meat. It's a lot of meat. But when you consider the fact of how much, when you go to the grocery store and you buy, I mean, if you're buying one every week, that's, you know, and you're buying a couple pounds of different things, that's well over that. Guys, grass-fed beef, I mean, it can be like nine bucks a pound if you're buying like grass-fed ground beef. And then you add in, it can be even higher prices for all of like the steaks and things and roasts and all that that you want. So it's much more economical. Um, I have a great relationship with uh, the folks at, in Afton, Littlefoot Farm. Right. Um, so Karen and Sally there. Karen runs the farm. It's fantastic. It's very fun because when I go there to pop by and pick stuff up in the winter, she'll just leave it outside for me. And then I'll go and visit the animals and yeah. bring my kids by and then grab our stuff and then hit the road. So they are doing grass-fed beef. They do two breeds of heritage hogs. Um, the it's Little Foot Farms. Little Foot Farm. Yes. And is this a program that they do for everybody? Or um, I mean, oh yeah, you can okay. you can buy directly from them. Yep. Little Foot Farm in Afton is where I, you know, and there are there are lots of great small scale farmers. I mean, I really like. I encourage you if you can. It's the best thing about Minnesota, you guys. Like, let's be honest. You live twenty minutes if you're in the city, in the center of the city. In twenty minutes, you can get to a farm. And go say this hello. This is not normal for the rest of the country. Right. And being able to buy directly from them means that there's no middleman and means that you're just writing. I mean, I write my check to Littlefoot Farms and that's it. And then they cash it. And then here I am with my freezer full of meat. So for me, it's been fantastic because it really lowers our grocery bills throughout the year mm-hmm. because we're able to have a full stockpile of everything. And what's cool, too, is don't be intimidated by this idea that like, well, I don't know what I'm going to get in a quarter of a cow. So I, I call Karen and she'll go, and any farmer will do this and they go through a cut sheet with you and then they help you figure out based on what you eat, what you might want. So, you know, in past I've gotten like some of these steaks that I'm like, okay, these aren't really our favorite thing. So they just turn that into ground for us. Right. So then I end up with more ground beef and ground pork. A couple of fun things that I've been doing. I was buying, I, I buy bulk sausage a lot. So bulk Italian sausage, bulk breakfast sausage. Yeah. I use it in all sorts of soups, recipes. I mean, like stir fries. We use it It's everything. a good protein source. It's clean. It's flavorful. It's great. It's fantastic. Um, I love the bulk sausage at Seward Co-op. They have an in-house program where they, they do, make theirs it. Theirs is probably the best. I like, think it's the best yeah, in the city. I do too. Um, but now, since I have all this ground pork... I've just been making my own. So I just have looked up like spice blends. Guess what, folks? Bulk sausage is just ground pork and spices. spices. <laughs> like, Not a lot of trick here, kids. You want to know what's in the sausage and how the sausage is made? You think you don't, yeah. but then you do. But then you because do. Because it's really quite easy. Mm-hmm. So for my breakfast sausage, for example, you know, I just do like a, just different spice blends like sage and things that taste breakfast sausage Yeah. Google breakfast sausage yeah. blend and you'll have a great <laughs> plan. For my Italian sausage, I do full fennel seeds, yep. um, some oregano, some paprika, uh, some garlic powder, some onion powder. It's amazing. It's some thyme. It turns into Italian sausage. Italian and sausage. then you can make it hot if you want with red pepper flakes or you don't have to. And you're not like casing them. I'm you're, not casing you're it You're just keeping it. bulk sausage. Like in a case. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, and you just like stir it into, you saute it, and then you stir it into things? Or? I honestly just mix, yeah, and I have been, I haven't even been going so far as to like 
pre-mix it when it's raw. I just put the pork in the pan, sprinkle the spices all over, and then just mix and break it up. Yeah. And then that's it. And then you can use that, you know, if you're into like those egg muffins, which you can uh, throw some sausage and yes. some cooked veg and, into muffin tins and then yes. pour scrambled egg over it and bake it and have those for the week. It's like an that's amazing really meal prep idea. idea. Yeah. Then you have your sausage ready to go. And for people who are thinking like, you know, a lot of pre-made sausage, it's hard to find without sugar or yeah. without like some creepy stuff. It's a really great way to be in control of your ingredients. That's pretty great. Buy it in bulk. Can Get you, a deep you, freeze. And you can buy, you can buy, you can buy just regular ground pork, you know, at like butchers and I mean, anywhere, but anywhere. I mean, so you can make it yourself. Oh for yeah. Sure. Anytime. It's just fascinating. No Those like little simplicity things that we think, we think like, oh, sausage is super complicated and I would never be able to make that myself. I have to buy it. And then you realize it is pork and spices. Uh-huh. And that is know. all it is. So talk to me about the economics of, I mean, like, what are we talking? Like, give me a round number of, of like, how much are you spending on yeah. this uh, this hog and this cow? And so this... a quarter cow and a half a hog I bought, I think it was about $1,100. Okay. So it's a lot of money up front. Yes. It filled up Wait, my for whole For both of those freezer. things together. For both of those things together. The pork tends to be a little bit more expensive than the beef. Um, again, I think the beef, I ended up with like about 105 pounds and then about 70 pounds of the pork. Okay. So it was like 175 pounds pretty much of the meat yep. um, that I have. So you can do the math. What does that come down to? Like six or seven bucks a pound probably. Yeah, right. But again, remember that includes all of the ground, but then it also includes like filet mignon. Yeah. Okay. So like a grass fed filet mignon right. at the store I mean, it can oh, be like 25 bucks a 25 pound. 25 bucks a pound. Right. And so that's where you have to kind of figure out the averages there. Right. Where it ends up being significantly cheaper. Yes. I mean, it's significantly less expensive to buy bulk grass-fed beef and um, heritage pork than it is to buy it. If you buy it directly from the farmer, you are saving major money. Plus, then you're giving that money to them to right your, up front. The farmer, yeah. There you go. You're That's... cutting out the middleman of the distributor mm -hmm. and the store and all the rest. Right, So right. That's kind of nice. And so you have to be prepared to spend that up front. But right. then I will tell you that it's then, an investment. then you hit a point where you buy, we buy very little protein. I mean, the only protein we buy at the grocery store is chicken. Yeah. Um, everything else we've been using from the freezer. And so it also makes meal planning really easy when you can look and go, all right, I've got I've this. I've already gross. got this. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that you could like on a Sunday night, just go downstairs, pick your stuff up and then, you know, clear like thaw it or Throw whatever. Throw it in the fridge to thaw it out. Yeah. And, and then you're ready to go for the week. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really good. And the key, I mean, then I think it also saves us money. You know, this is another added benefit is that you're not... If you have your meals planned out for the week because you have stuff, you're not as likely to be like, oh, let's just go out to dinner. And then 60 bucks later, you have one dinner versus, yeah. you know, you're making something. This is true. I tend to do when I sometimes when I'm buying the beef and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to pop into this place or whatever. And I think Ugh, if I was just thinking ahead, if it was just if I was smarter about this, I wouldn't be paying as much for this kind of stuff. And if you get a deep freezer, I mean, they're really they're really not that expensive. If you have the space for it in a basement, I mean, yeah. we have an unfinished basement, so we just have it down there and then it's jam packed. I am a little bit terrified of a power outage. And so I am like contemplating generator purchases yes. <laughs> because I'm like, it would be really sad if I had my full freezer of meat and then like I went down there and the light wasn't on the freezer yeah. and I would have a full coronary, not to mention that I have a major stash of breast milk in there. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> also a major worth stash. its weight in gold. Yes, I believe that that is the truth. I do. <laughs> yeah. I love that. But getting that relationship, finding a farmer that's close to you and finding someone that you can get to know yeah. has been, a, it's been a super rewarding experience and again, because you're amazed at how, I mean, and this isn't just me. It's, no, it's, this is my point. This is Minnesota actually, mm-hmm. where this actually can happen and not just because Elizabeth Reese is a TV star. It's because there, it's there's... because I write the checks. It's because she writes the checks. But also, I mean, like the fact that we can, you can look up Minnesota grown, you know, and the locally grown stuff on the websites and you can find these farmers and they are, they are just people in your neighborhood. Yeah. And this is the time too when it's fun to start thinking about your CSA. If you want to do a CSA, um, you know, the signups for that will begin in April. So mm-hmm. you can start to kind of figure out where would be a good drop off or a pickup location um, if you want to do one. Now I tend to do the meat and buy that in bulk and then rely on the farmer's market and my own garden yeah, instead I've of a never, CSA. Yeah, the CSA, the one I did, I was like, it was fine, but I actually like the activity of going to the farmer's market. So yeah. that for me just pans out better. So you kind of figure out what's going to work for you. But the more that you can buy directly from, I mean, farmers are the hardest working people in this country. Mm-hmm. I've said it before and I'll say it again. And the more that you can you know, support them directly, the more that we are. And, and, you know, what I love about Littlefoot Farm in Afton is they are, um, you know, they're a diverse farm. This is not like a monocrop. They're not just growing one thing. They are doing what I believe farming really should be, which is having a diverse mix of animals and plants on their farm, creating like its own beautiful ecosystem where the waste is taken care of together. And that way you're able to um, to support that kind of farming. I love that. And side note, delicious killer pork chops. You can also determine how thick you want your pork chops to be. And I want mine as thick as humanly possible. Me too. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I love it. All right, you guys, we're going to put up the website for Littlefoot Farm. Uh, on the on both the Facebook and on the webs on the show page, so that you guys have some access to that. We are going to take a break. We come back. We're going to kind of wrap it up. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish, brought to you by Red Cow and Red Rabbit. Everybody, welcome back to the Weekly Dish. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I've had Elizabeth Reese in the chair, and it has been marvelous. Oh, it's so fun to get to fill in. Thanks for having me. It- we were looking at the summer schedule. Steph Hansen will be out again, and uh, last summer I had a baby, so I was unable to kinda, really yeah. be here at all. So this summer I'm looking forward to being back. And- we- Chatting food with you. Shifting and bobbing and weaving last summer, and hopefully you can pull out some fun stuff. I certainly can. Uh, we have some fun things coming up. We have a couple live uh, broadcasts coming up at Arc Value Village. We have the Women's Expo. Uh, we're going to be at Bachman's on Lindale in, in April. So that's even more garden talk. That'll that's be great. Fun. I love that spot. They have a great greenhouse. We had a beer fest. The Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine had I a beer went, fest. I brought I a baby. That. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I forgot she was so small. Oh my God. And it was just sort of fun. I love that space. I wish, I hope they do more events there. It was nice because especially in the spring, you know, it gets so warm in there. So everyone came in in their winter coats and then we were like stripping off layers because yeah. a greenhouse does what a greenhouse does, which yeah. is get warm and Stay toasty. Warm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I need to know if you've heard that there is a Minnesota girl competing on MasterChef Junior. No, I didn't know. Yes, this is a girl from um, Excelsior, and her name is Ariana Fagan. And they it, de- it debuted last night, and unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to watch it. Like I said, Martina, and then I started napping, and then I woke up here, and I came here. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go home and watch it, but she is uh, Ariana Fagan from Excelsior, a seventh grader at Minnetonka Middle School West. She's one of 40 kids vying for... Uh, to win and of course she's already filmed all the things and she's sworn to secrecy but so we don't know how it turns out I'm telling you I'm excited by this she could be uh, she could she's got a lot of 
She's got a lot of moxie, that one. Wow. And she's never taken a cooking class. She says the ones for kids are all too easy. She talked to Allie Kaplan, and she said she's not allowed into classes for adults. And uh, she says that she does not, her parents don't cook, neither do her younger siblings. So she's the one who makes dinner for the family most nights. No way. When she doesn't have homework. Because she just loves to cook. Because she loves it. And I think that is so great. So she's a, a friend of Gavin Kaysen. She's got him on, sh- on speed dial. That's good. And she worked in Six Smith and Wyzetta before training for MasterChef Junior. So oh, my goodness. I think this is one to watch, you guys. It premieres. It premiered last night at 7 o'clock. I think it's on Fridays at 7 o'clock on Fox. And so I think you should tune in and see and root for our Minnesota girl. Absolutely. 100%. Really cool. Um, so we did have a caller in the beginning of the uh at the beginning of the first hour, at the end of the first hour, who said, who wanted to sort of mention that there was a recall on certain instant pots. And so we, we did bring that to attention. Um, I just want you to know there's the other big news in instant pot this week. What's happening? Some guy figured out how to make wine in his instant pot. Oh, I saw this headline. <laughs> it went nuts. I swear to God, every, every like delish and pop sugar and everybody else all had this headline. OMG. Some guy made wine in his instant so pot. So what's the deal? You just like put the grape juice in and then put some something it's that's going to make it ferment. It's a little bit more. He said he starts with a 64-ounce bottle of Welch's grape juice. Oh, man. I know, which Welch's is already grape juice wine. a start. He's a cup of sugar, a packet of red wine yeast, plus a couple tools and things. Um, and he says he produced a palatable wine that says tastes like a Merlot with hints of dark cherry and raw chocolate. He said, but don't expect anything too fancy about this Welch's into wine. It's extremely pleasant table wine. He said it would cost about eight to 12 bucks at a store. When you go to church tomorrow and take communion, you'll be drinking uh, this instant this pot wine. This is an instant pot I'm wine sure situation. Yes. He said it is very complicated. It's time consuming. It takes 48 hours to make, and then it needs to be stored in a cool, dark place for at least a week. Okay. So, so this is a project maybe for your wine if you need to, like, you know, stretch your boundaries. You want to have a little fun. I know. I don't know. Welch's grape juice wine. I, I don't Boy, think I would say that. You should there. bring that and put it in a blind taste test and see what it beats out. I know. Oh, that would be interesting. It would be really fascinating. I would love to do that because I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of brain work involved in the way you think about things. I can't even imagine what would happen if I drank Welch's grape juice. I don't really like Have you ever I feel like I haven't had that since I was since you were a kid. Kindergarten. I haven't had it in so long. Does anybody buy grape juice to drink it? I'm sure that some people do. I'm sure they buy it for their kids. I have this theory. I want to go back and try all these foods that I used to love as a kid or that we used to eat as kids and foods. then see if I would like it. Like I have not eaten SpaghettiOs <laughs> in probably 20 years. Yes. And I want to know so sweet. if I would like SpaghettiOs. My husband is convinced that if he opened up a hungry man dinner that he would love it because he used to have them. Yep. You know, like my dad used to make us um, all sorts. It would be like frozen everything. Yeah. That was what we lived off There of. is a piece of that. There is a part of it. I will say there's like, for me, I used to eat double quarter pounder with cheese yeah. you know, from McDonald's yeah. and all through college. And then I have not had a McDonald's burger in a long time, but I did try one. So one of my friends came and I was like, can I just have a bite of that? Just because I just need to see. And all it tasted like was salt to me. I was like, okay. how did I eat those? Right. It was just salt. And I, I mean, without any other flavors, and for sure, Culver's Double Deluxe situation is way better in That's my delicious. mind. But I wonder about that. That's an interesting, maybe we should do like a, like a taste, taste test of things that we ate as kids. I would, and then I see would totally really want a Hungry it. Man TV dinner to see what that's like. I want to eat a zebra cake. I'm sure I would love zebra cakes. Yeah. You know, those little 
pastry things. There are things from your past. Well, I used to eat peanut butter and mustard sandwiches. Sick. Yellow mustard and peanut butter. That sounds horrible. So yummy. On bread. <laughs> I ate those for my lunch. I would make them for my own lunch. Man. I know. I at my love aunt, that idea. My I might make uncle, one of those when I get home just to see if I like it. When we would go stay with my Aunt Marilyn and my Uncle Tom, we would have white bread, Miracle Whip, Munster cheese, and salami sandwiches. And let me tell you. I mean, that sounds good except for the Miracle Whip It part. was heaven. I know, but the Miracle Whip kind of made it. I'm also intrigued. If I ate that today, would I really like it? Do you have a Miracle Whip like Dislike? I haven't had Miracle Whip in so long. I love mayonnaise for sure. I love mayonnaise, but then I find like somebody says, oh, there's mayonnaise on the sandwich and it's actually Miracle Whip and it ruins it for me. It might ruin it for me. It's very sweet and it has like that weird, sweet, tangy tangy, thing. And I know that's what people love about it, but it's just not in my bag. I have tried Cool Whip recently. I used to like Cool Whip as a kid and I don't like Cool Whip. What is, I mean, yeah, I never had, my mom was never a Cool Whip mom. Cool Whip is weird. Yeah. You should just eat whipped cream. What is it? It's just whipped cream, isn't it? Isn't cool whipped cream? No, it's absolutely not. It's like, it's like, (laughs) no. This is the best weird conversation. It's like powdered coffee mate version of cream. I mean, that's what it is. And then they whip it. I think it's like, I I don't know if it's vegetable oil based or something. Can it room temperature, I bet? It's weird. You shouldn't eat it. Okay. All right, I'm going to say that. I'm going to find that out. <laughs> hey, the couple things I want to let you know of going on this weekend, just besides uh, things happening in town and around. Uh, Milk Jam Creamery, by the way, I have renamed their ice creams for strong women. Way to go, Milk in Jam. In the name of National Women's History Saw Month. This. I kind of love that I could get a scoop of Diane Von Furstenberg and top it with a scoop of Martha Stewart. Boom. I think that's great. In. I know. Um, other things, just to let you know that it is Shell's Bachfest today, and I am sad that I'm not there because that is one party. Put it on your calendar for next year, you guys. Best beer party in the state. Yes. And we are shockingly out of time. Oh, how did it happen? I know. It happens every year. Every time. Every time. All right. Love you, Elizabeth Reese. Love you, Weekly Dish listeners. We'll see you guys next week. Ciao, ciao.